Hi, my name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. This podcast is brought to you by School for the Dogs, a Manhattan-based facility I own and operate along with some of the city's finest dog trainers. During this podcast, we'll be answering your questions, geeking out on animal behavior, discussing pet trends, and interviewing industry experts. Welcome to School for the Dogs podcast. I'm here with our clients, I should say clients plural. I'm here with our human client, Samantha Schwartz, and her dog, our, the canine client of this team. Oh, who's giving her a big hug right now, (laughs) whose name is Basket, and he is this huge, deliciously black and furry, (laughs) just big galoot, big galoot of a dog who I wish I had a life-size stuffed animal of that I could just snuggle and cuddle all day long. He looks like a Bernese mountain dog. He is not totally a Bernese mountain dog, which we're going to talk about in a moment. And when I first met Samantha and her partner, Ben, they started to tell me about how Basket came into their lives, and I was fascinated. I had always wanted a Bernese mountain dog. I had grown up with labs and retrievers, and Ben grew up with a Norwegian elk hound and a Chinook. We were kind of like, I was just dead set on having a Bernese mountain dog. We were living out in Cape Cod. Um, getting his family's house together last spring, um, just temporarily. And we were like, well, let's get the dog because it'll be easy to train the dog while we're out here. We have some time. So last year, um, we started more seriously looking at Bernese again. And he thought that it would be better if we maybe looked at getting a mixed breed. We were looking at all the rescues. There's a lot of Bernese rescue organizations, and then we were we were looking at um, just different options. And finally, we ended up um, saying, "Why don't we see about getting a mixed breed, something that is part Bernese?" Now because, you said you were worried about the health issues. So Bernese mountain dogs have, um, being a giant, they're one of the gi- the giant breed dogs, um, similar to Great Danes and St. Bernards. So they can be um, up to 150 pounds. Um, females on average weigh um, between, I think, 90 and 110, and then the males can weigh much more than that. Um, because they're a giant breed, they have... Um, some joint issues and things like that because of their bones, but they also have a particular type of cancer that is really, really prevalent in their breed. They are dying really young. They're in, they're very, purebred dogs in general are very inbred. They have what's called closed stud books, and the closed stud books mean that they kind of all end up being cousins with each other. (laughs) And Mm. because of that, (laughs) their genetic diversity is leading to 
many health problems. When I sometimes I explain it to people when you know, I always think it's first of all, I always think it's funny when people are like, Oh, my I have a mutt, he's part this and part that. Right. And I'm like, no, he's probably part a billion things. Exactly. <laughs> but more than that, something like the whole designer dog term. Right. Like all dogs are designer dogs. Exactly. Just some are more modern than others and there are designer dogs that used to exist that don't anymore. Exactly. And that in order to get dogs that in order to breed dogs that all look alike you have to do a lot of inbreeding and we could what's kind of creepy it's like we could do that with people too it's just we are their generation we choose not to <laughs> well their generations are right. so much shorter right you know right but look at look at you know there, there's this, an extent of closed population absolutely absolutely everybody looks a certain way and right. a lot of the a lot of the modern day breeding trends that we are working with today started like 150 ish years ago right around the same time as eugenics exactly correct it's like we switched our focus right. from right from no, people exactly. to dogs exactly and these are all things that i had never personally thought about and or considered at all before we started really looking into it and i certainly never considered it in the dog in in the capacity of a dog or getting a puppy or anything. So once I really, I... What opened to your eyes to thinking about well, breeding in that way? Ben just kind of offhand said, well, why don't we get something that's a mix? Because then it will be healthier because mixed breeds ha have less health problems. And then maybe it won't be quite as big. He was a little nervous about having a giant dog, not having ever had a giant dog. And so... You are a giant dog. You're a giant goofball. Oh, my God. So. He's so cute. He's, wanna, he's sitting here right now with lying down with both his paws on my lap. You are smiling. Smiling and getting occasional treats. Occasional treats for good behavior. Yeah. Oh, kiss. Oh, all right. You get a treat for me. I know. I'm um, sorry. I interrupted you because of the cuteness that I'm dealing with here. So once we decided we wanted a mixed breed dog, I already had a pretty solid contact list of Bernie's Mountain Dog people. We had previously contacted them um, before we decided on a mixed breed when we were just looking for a Bernie's, looking for a puppy, looking for a younger dog to adopt, whether it be a rescue or, you know, something, a rehome or something like that. Um, or even we were open to fostering temporarily while we were in this life situation. And ultimately, we um, ended up contacting a woman who, from the Bernese Mountain Dog community. And she suggested I contact the heads. She gave me basically a list. And she suggested that I contact all of these people, which were each ber regional Bernese Mountain Dog clubs like presidents uh, or group people in charge of uh, placements. And so I had this list of like 50 to 75 Bernese Mountain Dog Club people from all these different regional clubs all throughout the country. And so I wrote a sort of generic email. So I gave all the answers in this email and said, 
We are looking for a Bernese Mountain Dog, but we are looking for a mixed breed because we are concerned with the health issues. So if anyone knows of anyone or can point us in their in a direction where we we would love any help we can get. Well, I received some of the most hostile responses to this, was to, to, this email? to this very innocent what I thought was well articulated email and and lit and and letter and I just was received very hostily. Basically, and these were breeders or the, heads of head of the they, breed. They groups? were all people in different capacities, um, but they were the ones that were in charge of placements, um, whether it be for rescues or breeding or anything else. They, they were the people in charge of these regional groups that, um, or it, that worked with these regional groups that I was told would be the content the points of contact for what we were looking for or to get our names out there. And it, it just didn't go well. It, it wasn't exclusively um, hostile. I will say that. I did receive um, a few. Well, why were they hostile? They were hostile because they were very annoyed that I would suggest breeding a Bernese Mountain Dog to anything else, that I should love them the way they are and not concern myself with these health issues, completely ignoring the fact that they're dying at their average life expectancy right now is like seven years old. That's not right. They're, that's a problem, and it's being ignored. Well, and like I said, they were initially bred from right. different kinds exactly. of dogs. Ex- exactly. Exactly. They didn't, like, start out with Adam and Eve. Like. Right. Well, I I couldn't believe these. They were very nasty. They were just nasty. We were both shocked. We both were, were like, oh, we had no idea there were dog Nazis. Who knew? <laughs> Turns out there are. Um, he was very supportive, and I kind of was like, I don't even know if I want a dog now after this. Because it was just such a bad experience. It was like one after another. Like every day I was just getting a really nasty. Unbeknownst to me, one of the people that I had contacted took a screenshot of my email, including my personal contact, my and Ben's personal contact information, and posted it to Facebook. And that began a chain of events, which ultimately led us to Basket. Because they were very, uh, there were many very vile responses on this Facebook post. How dare this girl, you know, do, you know, suggest this and she doesn't know anything about our community and blah, whatever. So apparently it got shared around the internet pretty widely. Um, with large discussion with my personal contact information. They started contacting me through my cell phone number and my email, which was included in the e- in the in, oh, so in you're my now letter. getting like texts and emails from strangers from strangers. Yes, so it sort of got out of control really quickly. They were put it this way: they weren't educating me; they were reprimanding me. <laughs> And 
it wasn't a very it was it was hostile that's the best way to describe it and it was confusing and overwhelming for me because I didn't know who to trust anymore or who was on my side or who I could turn to and I started to feel like oh I I think I just ostracized myself from a the Bernese community unintentionally. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to have a Bernese mountain dog, unfortunately. Like, I've just made, the, like, I, I had no idea. I didn't know what I, I had done that was so bad. And it's crazy. It, it was really overwhelming. Um, however. Did you cry real tears? <laughs> I did. I actually did. Um, I believe it. At, however, I was really lucky because some people reached out to me um, within the f- a couple of, of days and weeks, actually, that were wonderful. So one of the things Bernese Mountain Dogs have that um, is, isn't as common um, in the dog world is they have a database, um, a, like a, basically an Ancestry.com for Bernese Mountain Dogs. It's called BurnerGuard, and it's a database of every Bernese mountain dog for the last 70 years. And if it's a a 100% Bernese mountain dog um, and it's it's DNA, it's health, it's hips, it's eye sort of everything is in there. Uh, the woman that did the the data entry for the last 30 years for this database so she was the manager of it in terms of just en- entering the data. Contacted me and she called me and was as sweet as could be. And she said, you are asking the right questions. I have watched for decades put six month old puppies that have cancer and are dying. And I have watched the health and these dogs get worse and worse, and I have been responsible for overseeing it, and something has to be done, and you're not wrong. And she really just changed my perspective. And she pointed me to a couple of women. Um, uh, What I learned is these are largely, within the breed community, it's largely women. They're largely older. it's sort of, um, it's sort of like a privileged hobby kind of thing, like horses, and the women, the people that are involved in in, in these communities, and they show the dogs, and it it's sort of like that movie Best in Show in real life, <laughs> is what I realized and didn't didn't know what I was getting myself into, mm-hmm. um, and. So she gave me the names of a few people that she had known that over the years had had a few, what she called oops litters. And I had never heard that term. And what it was is some of the people that are um, well-known, reputable breeders of Bernese Mountain Dogs accidentally, sometimes, another dog, Bred to the bred to one of their bitches, mm-hmm. and so they had oops litters that were mixed, and so these people had data 
So then I got to talking to some of these other women that were supportive to my inquiry. And I sort of picked back up my search because I, I ended up interacting with these people that were supportive and telling me I was asking the right questions and that I should just ignore these people that were hostile and that they are um, just being naive to the, their own problems and it's not helpful. And it's not a long-term solution um, to keep be turning a blind eye to the health issues. Um, so I then was contacted by a woman named Ann Nichols. Ann Nichols has been in the Bernese Mountain Dog community for about 40 years now. Um, she has bred and shown Bernese Mountain Dogs, uh, and she... It decided, along with some veterinary geneticists and some other people from within the Bernese Mountain Dog community, that they were going to do something about it. And they started a project um, together called the Bernese Mountain Dog Vitality Project. And they, it, it, what it is is an outbreeding program. So over many decades, with the help of these geneticists and uh the DNA that we have available to us now, they are choosing to intentionally cross Bernie's, healthy Bernese Mountain Dogs with other breeds over time um, to eventually get back to a Bernese Mountain Dog that has the genetic diversity that the health issues are eliminated. Basket's dad is a champion uh, Bernese mountain dog that is very healthy and his mom is a mixed breed so his mom was part golden retriever part Labrador retriever and uh, one-eighth English setter okay. and his mom is black and white and has um, the ticking on her coat which means like she's spotted and basket the sounds, the sounds are, are basket playing tug with me basket you're, you're gonna be on the podcast like a lunatic so she was a mixed breed so her litter ended up being um 11 puppies which is also unheard of for a bernese mountain dog because and, and their their litters are not so big now his the person who bred them is this woman, Anne? It ended up being Anne, yeah. Okay. Um, it won't Anne. always be Anne. Uh, uh, she's just the founder of the project. This was just a coincidence that it ended up being um, she was the one that bred this litter. And where is she? She's in Minnesota. She is in northern Minnesota, about three hours north so of she, Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Had she been privy to the whole thing that was going on with you getting trolled? Yes, which is why she contacted me. Oh, so Anne saw that I had been attacked, and some of the other people that knew about her project saw that I had been attacked and reached out to her and said, you got to talk to this girl. This girl is exactly who you're looking for. And it, it just turned, it, it turned out right. So we, so she contacted me, and she pointed me to the direction of the website and told me a little bit about the project and said, I think you might be interested in what we're doing. 
I heard you were asking some questions. <laughs> you, uh, you might be our perfect candidate. And I looked over the website and I immediately was like, oh my God, this is exactly the kind of thing we want to be involved with. Um, ben came home from work and I showed it to him and we talked about it. It seems so he, like fortuitous. Yeah, and he agreed. And so she said the next step, if we wanted... Um, there was a, a woman that had adopted one of the dogs from the first litter in um, that was a puppy at, at this point. Um, so this was last uh, February, so February 2017. And she said if we wanted to drive up to New Hampshire, she could arrange a meeting and we could ask questions of this woman and meet the puppy and see if we wanted to move forward. So we agreed to do that. We connected with this woman, um, another person. Turned out that this woman um, had also been in the Bernese Mountain Dog community as a show person for 40 years. And um, has also bred many Bernese Mountain Dogs and agreed that it was one of, it, it was the only thing that made sense was to do something with all these problems that they were having. And that she felt like, she couldn't, in good conscience, continue to breed these Bernese Mountain Dogs. And she's bred dogs from all over the world. Like, she's, she's, it's not like they're only breeding to other dogs in their region. Like, these women that are involved, or I shouldn't say just women, actually. The people that are involved in these breeding communities, they, they're, they're, they have resources. They're wealthy. They're traveling to Australia to mate a bitch in a stud for the right reasons to win these shows. These are not like, oh, they're only being bred with the nearest dog. These people are traveling well, also to the whole, far reaches of the world well, to do this. Well, there's also a huge market for dog semen. Right. And which cracks me up. It cracks me up just from an evolutionarily, like... It's like, oh my god, they have, <laughs> they have gotten right. so good right. at existing in this world that they even have us, right? They even have us transporting their, <laughs> their DNA stuff, right, overhead to far reaches. They don't even have to have sex anymore. Yeah, it's it's cra- it's crazy. Um, so this is a woman that, that has the, the money and the resources to f- literally fly anywhere in the world to get herself the healthiest Bernese Mountain Dog mates and puppies and whatever mm-hmm. she could want. And she, st- and she has done this. She's been part of this community for 40 years. And she still decided that contributing to this project and adopting a puppy from this project was the right thing to do. Um, so we drove, uh, my partner Ben and I drove up to New Hampshire and we met her two amazing, um, older Bernese Mountain Dogs and the puppy from the first litter, uh, Aeson. Uh, every puppy from the first litter has an A name and every puppy from the second litter has a B name. Um, and third and fourth will be C and D so that it's a little easier to manage. Ben and I had agreed to take a litter from litter number two. 
so back in February of 2017. Um, however, we, there was no set date of when that was going to exist. Um, they didn't have any dogs pregnant at the time, so we had no idea what that would look like, and we were okay with that. In the meantime, we were contacted by some of the, the rescues with a few um, Bernese Mountain Dog, 50% uh, Bernese Mountain Dog, 50% um, something else, puppies, um, and when they came up, at the, because they do, they come up. And we, we turned them down. We decided, no, we decided, we thought that it wasn't solving the root issues. Um, and we feel like this project is working in that direction to solve some of the bigger issues in dogs and some of the reasons that dogs are ending up in rescue to begin with, which is some of these health and temperament issues. Um, so to us, we were looking at more of a long-term um, involvement in a solution rather than a short-term. So Basket was not born, and so we waited very, very patiently um, and had a lot of time to prepare ourselves to be puppy parents <laughs> and read many books. Basket was not born until October 27th of uh 2017 and we we had no idea what what we were getting up until up until we did we didn't know what kind of mom he was gonna have so we didn't know what the the other half of him was gonna be where is the goal trying to make dogs that look like bernie's um and have the well, same temperament no the goal the goal the ultimate goal will to be a hundred percent bernie's mountain dog that look and act and are Bernie's Mountain Dogs. That they genetically will be no different. However, they will be. They will have genetic diversity, and they will eliminate that gene that's causing the cancer. They've actually done outbreeding programs like this with great success in um, a good deal in the Scandinavian countries, and it's been pretty well documented. So, how, so how does he that's look, sort of what they're basing it on. How do you think? How does he look? versus a, a Bernese. So he looks almost exactly the same as a Bernese mountain dog. He gets mistaken for a Bernese mountain dog with the exception of his he's missing the rust markings. So he has the black and white markings in the exact same places. However, he does not have the rust-colored markings. So like a Bernese would also have rust so above his white on his uh, paws. Okay. Um, so he's white. And he'd have brown eyebrows, whereas he or rust-colored eyebrows, whereas he just has the black. He's keeping it simple. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't need no uh, third accent color. I'm all black and white. Right. How did he get any basket? <laughs> um, so we had a long list of B names, and we both had decided we very much did not want a human name. Um. We had many food options like bagel and brisket and <laughs> things like that. And I thought brisket was kind of funny because it's black and white. It was black and white. And Ben was not uh, as amused by <laughs> those options as I was. Um, and so one day 
Blackie wasn't an option? I was just putting uh, something in one of our storage baskets, and I said, how about basket? And we could call them backs or something. And he's like, actually, I really like that. And he'll be one of a kind, because he is one of a kind. Yeah. And it fit. So here he is. He's a basket case. Yeah, a little, little bit. <laughs> Agreeing to take a puppy, did you have to agree to anything in particular as far as terms having to do with the study? Um, yes. So agreeing to take a puppy, we had to agree to a few stipulations. One is that our name would be the letter of the litter. So our name had to start with a B. Um, we also have to agree to be in contact with the project for the life of the dog and report all of the health and temperament and behavioral issues um, throughout the health of the dog. And we have to agree to get his um, x-rays and health certifications done at one year. And ideally, they... They are looking for people that are willing to wait to neuter and spay the dogs because if they can't, they're not, the geneticists don't really know if they'll want to use the DNA or if they'll want to mate your dog until about 12 months. So they, which is fine because actually with giant breed dogs you don't want to neuter or spay them before 12 months anyhow because it's healthier for them to wait right well there's a lot of i think are there, there for all there's dogs, opinions well for all size dogs there are a lot of opinions about whether you should wait or not wait or do it at all right exactly um so it made sense to us um and and we said we were we were open to it we were willing um to do that some of the dogs um, with this litter, they were able to right away determine um, a few of them they wouldn't be mating with. So th those went to homes that wanted to be able to have their dogs neutered or spayed right away or whenever they, at whatever point they decided. Um, and that's, and that was fine. Um, ben and I were of the opinion that we were open to waiting. Um, and that we would manage it however we needed to manage it. Um, so we, we, we agreed. That seemed reasonable to us. And with that, we also... Were there costs associated? Um, a donation to the project, just like if you were donating to a rescue. So, the, you know, someone bred and cared for this dog for the first two months of its life, so... I actually, um, I wanted to ask you about rescue. You said you'd reached out to some rescue. What was your experience with that? Um, so actually, while to get Basket, I flew by myself without Ben um, to Chicago, and then I took a little rinky-dink commuter flight to this nowhere town up in northern Minnesota. And rented a car and drove two hours from the airport to this house in the middle of northern woods, Minnesota, uh, where Basket was living with his mom and dad and siblings and uncle and all kinds of animals. And then um, uh, that meant that I had to drive with this eight-week-old puppy 
back by myself this two-hour drive to Chicago. Uh, no, to Duluth, Minnesota, and then because there, this is a small town, there are only so many flights per day, and so we had to get a hotel. And then uh, fly from Duluth to Chicago, and then to Chicago back to New York City. Well, this was quite an adventure for an eight-week-old puppy, and he was a pr- bit of a scaredy cat, <laughs> as you can imagine. Oh, it was a lot to take in. <laughs> it was in. a lot to take in, and he was uh, very, very, um, you know, all, all of these things were new. He 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 had spent the first eight weeks of his life in. A rural, middle of nowhere farmhouse, and so city sounds and hotels and airports and wheelchairs and all of the things that go along with hotels and airports were new and really scary. And he was extremely brave and um, really like he was the size. He was fifteen pounds. He's now about 65 pounds, <laughs> and he, he, he'd done very well because Anne's specialty is early puppyhood training, so she really had him trained very well. Um, but he well, was he was scared. He was scared, but he was brave. But he was brave. And you got the and so some a bunch of people. I didn't even know about dog Instagram. And as I'm on this these flights, and I'm kind of texting my friends that I'm bringing home this puppy. Uh, one of my friends is like, oh, what's his Instagram? And I was like, what oh, you- are you telling us what your Instagram is? What do you mean, what's his Instagram? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, he needs his own Instagram. So I I was like, oh, well, okay. Um, <laughs> I, sure. And so I was like, actually, that makes sense, because then I don't flood the internet. You know all about dog genetics, but not about yeah, dog Instagram. Right, didn't know, didn't you, know. You are an anomaly. <laughs> I decided just kind of like quickly on a whim, uh, basket the brave because it was, um, he, he was, he was doing a brave thing and he is doing a brave thing. (laughs) He's doing a brave thing by being adorable. Well, I mean, (laughs) social, so much of training when you're dealing with a puppy is the socialization stuff. And, and it sounds like you you got him from a breeder who was doing things right and introducing him to lots of things. Yeah, and, she and, was. And, she and, was. She was taking him in um, into this into the this bigger city. And that doesn't mean and, that those things can't still be scary. Like they might still be scary, absolutely. but they're gonna like synthesize them into their like larger view of the world faster than if it's the first time they ever left the farm. Right. Know? No. Exactly. So, there will be more puppies. There certainly will be the need for more uh, people to get involved. Basket would love to have as many cousins as possible living uh, in the city. And, you know, young people and people that are that have not been in the show dog community for decades um, are really proactive and really involved in rescuing and fostering and all of that, which is wonderful. 
However, it would be really wonderful to also get them involved in some of these genetic genetic projects. And I, I'm sure the baskets of Bernie's, the Bernie's Mountain Dog outbreeding program is not the only one. Um, if there's a particular dog that you like um, and breed that you like, ask these questions, ask these difficult questions, mm-hmm. provoke these people, get involved. If, if you want to be involved and you want to be involved in this project, uh, you know, th- there's certainly going to be a need for that in the well, long I term. Think, I think the two things can kind of go hand in hand to some extent because, yes, we want all dogs to have homes, and that's why foster rescue work is foster and rescue work are both really important, but, or not but, (laughs) and, and if it's, if we succeed at doing really well with, like, spaying and neutering and, and, uh, rescuing and finding homes for dogs, um, then what's next? Well, if all dogs who need homes have homes, then we can start thinking about how we can breed dogs that are better suited for our environment and, and suited to live longer, happier lives. And I think that should really, that should be the goal, in my opinion, of all breeding rather than looks. Absolutely. And that's exactly it. Like, I I really, and I don't think one has to come after the other. I think the two can be... uh, Well, they're both long term. They're both long term. And I think they can happen in sync with one another. I I absolutely agree. If fostering or rescuing um, is, is something that you care about deeply, by all means get involved but if you can ask bigger questions and if you can get involved in other ways do that provoke the the breeders to to think about things from a new perspective because that's exactly what it is it, it and not it, not breeding for purely what it, meets the eye because right, the confirmation it, gets its word because you're breeding f- to conform right. to a specific look baskets really lucky because he he ended up, uh, or we got really lucky because Basket ended up looking like a Bernese Mountain Dog. However, he's only the only one of all 11 puppies that does. The, oh, really? The other 10 do not look anything like Bernese Mountain Dog. They are, they have, they don't have the same markings. They're, they're different. But oh, I'd love, all do we have photos? Ten, mm-hmm. I'll put those yeah. in the show notes if you but share them But all 10 people and families that adopted those other dogs did so anyways because this project is about the greater good of the breed right and it's about making dogs that are healthier and live without as much suffering and that i think that that is really important that you know it's not just about looks and having the cutest dog and having you know, oh, he's pretty most, cute, though. The most Instagrammable dog, although Basket does do pretty well with that department. But, you know, and I think that that needs to be recognized as well. Are any of his siblings local? No, 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 no one is in New York. We do you see almost the- got someone to take one of his brothers, but <clears throat> they did, it didn't work out. Um, but we have uh, one of his sisters is in the Berkshires, and we've met up with her a few times. And um, there are some in, uh, like, outside of Boston, and uh, we plan to meet up with them when we go up to our house in Cape Cod. Um, and do you see this as, like, 
probably what you'll be doing for the rest of your life as long as you own a dog? Um, yeah, I think we'll continue being a part of this project, absolutely. So cool. Um, you know, Ben, Ben's pretty uh, interested in already talking about making sure that we have, like, uh, up another puppy that will learn from Basket eventually so learn how to be adorable he will, yeah so he wants to um that's you know, have to show maybe we'll end up getting one of basket's grandchildren oh or... you will be a grandpa <laughs> you, you we haven't told you about Something sex like yet that. though <laughs> you're gonna have to figure that out on your own we don't train that um, years from now but yeah i think we'll we will definitely always you know, be involved in this project. Like I said, I volunteered to manage the database, mm-hmm. so I will, um, you know, continue on this route, you know, sort of forever. He's, oh, are you sitting excited. on mom's lap? Are you sitting on mom's lap? You're such a love. And um, thank you so much for, for taking time to tell me about him. I hope it inspires other people to um, get a little bit more interested in some of the opportunities that are out there to help different breeds. Donate your dog's DNA. Give your dog's DNA to the NIH, to the Dog Genome Project. Well, I'm going to, in the show notes, I'm going to make sure that we uh, point to all that stuff. There's all kinds of studies and they need data. They need it. To fix the health problems, they need it. They Mm -hmm. need the data. And that's the only way they can solve some of these things. So, great. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, basket. Our fun dog fact is that Irish president Michael D. Higgins has two Bernese Mountain dogs. Their names are Broad and Shadow, and he often brings them to events with him. And our woof shout-out goes to a dog I mentioned a few weeks ago, Suki, who is a beautiful, young, white French bulldog who is looking for a home. She was placed in a home briefly. It didn't work out. She's back in the East Village. And we at School for the Dogs have worked quite a bit with Suki and her foster parents, Michelle and Sahu, and she's a great dog. I'd really love to help find her a home. Suki would do best in a home where there weren't a lot of people going in and out, not lots of visitors. She is okay being home alone for some lengths of time. She doesn't do great on the street around other dogs. I think that's something that a new owner could work on with her, but probably would be ideal if she weren't in uh, a place where the streets were highly trafficked by other dogs. And lastly, Michelle says she must be in a home where she is going to be loved like crazy. I want that for her too. You can learn more about Suki on Instagram at Bucky's Foster Crew. Thanks so much for listening. You can support School for the Dogs podcast by telling your friends about it, leaving a review, or shopping in our online store. You can learn more about us and sign up to get lots of free training resources when you visit us online at schoolforthedogs.com.